Hello, hello. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church. Welcome for the first time or welcome back to Redemption's podcast. I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and to like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. What's going on, Redemption? My name is Corey Ball, and I am the lead pastor here at Redemption Community Church, and I'm so glad that you joined us for another week. In 1997, the movie The Titanic was released. It was extremely popular, as many of you remember. It saw unparalleled success for any movie of its time. Um, It actually has an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes today by critics and a 69% by viewers. Those are good numbers, but but honestly, I'm really surprised that they're not higher like in, you know, 97, 98 on both critic and viewer because it saw so much success at the box office. It was nominated for 14 Academy Awards. Um, It tied another movie. Um, that was made in 1950 for its Oscar nominations, and it actually won 11 Oscar nominations, and that tied another record held by a 1959 flick uh, named Ben Hur. Very famous film. It's always shown on TV around Christmas time. I think it is every year. No, not Christmas. Easter. Anyway, it's on TV every year. Um, the The Titanic became the highest grossing film worldwide at 1.84 billion dollars. And the movie actually held that title until James Cameron, who's the director of the Titanic, until he released another movie called Avatar. Incredible movie. By the way, sequel's coming out in 2021. Pretty excited. It's going to be good. Um, But uh, this was a very, very popular movie. I was 10 years old when the Titanic was released. And yeah, I saw it in theaters with my parents and my grandparents. Yeah, that's right. First awkward, um, you know, moment I ever had in a movie theater with anyone. I have my mom, you know, my father on one side and my grandmother and my grandfather on the other side. I learned that day that art includes more than what my fourth grade teacher was teaching us in the classroom. But here is where the movie, The Titanic, comes into today's message. Um, In the movie, The Titanic, it would have been the perfect moment to show an SOS distress signal. Now, an SOS distress signal is a signal that is Morse code. It was invented for maritime use. And by the way, the whole SOS thing, it's actually an abbreviation for Morse code. It doesn't stand for anything. Maybe you didn't know that. It's kind of crazy. Some people believe uh, that that it stands for save our ships or save our souls. But it's not true. It's actually just an abbreviation. I don't know if you're disappointed by that. Uh, I am, you know. Um, But I do love that later on it picked up the actual abbreviation, or not abbreviation, but rather acronym of Save Our Ships or Save Our Souls. That's pretty cool. But this would have been a great movie to actually show an SOS distress signal. But it's not in the movie. Why? 
because it turns out that Morse code doesn't really add to cinematic drama as much, right? Like, could you imagine them trying to get in a, an actual SOS distress signal in the heat of like, you know, water is coming in and people are jumping ship and all this stuff. And then like they, 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 they pan over to this guy doing this. So they didn't have a scene in the movie, the Titanic calling for an SOS distress signal. Um, but they most certainly did send one out and, um, and that would have been a really sad moment in history. Um, but we don't need the crew from the Titanic in the movie, the Titanic to send out an SOS for us to understand what it is. We know what it is. It's that moment when all hope is abandoned. When, when, when you did everything in your power to save yourself and you just couldn't. And so you are waiting, you're begging for someone, anyone to come and save you. This is what an SOS is. And as a culture, we are in an SOS today. Like we are in an SOS moment today, right? All hope is abandoned. Like we need the help of someone else. Let me show you what I mean. I was reading some stuff recently and I saw this, a recent study found that mortality rates for people from ages 25 to 34 had risen by more than 20% since 2008. That means mortality rates among millennials ages 20 to 34 uh, were substantially higher in 2016 than among their counterparts from Generation X when they were their age, exactly 16 years earlier. Okay, uh, which by the way, that's a little misleading. Uh, millennials are not 20 to 34 anymore, uh, but this was looking back on 2008 when, when that was the case. Uh, the main contributors to the increase have been suicides and drug overdoses. Another study that I read in the same article found this, that drug-related deaths among people ages 18 to 34 more than doubled from 2007 to 2017, while alcohol-related deaths rose by 69% and suicides by 35%. The rise of millennial suicides is set against a broader backdrop of despair. Rates of suicides are going up for all Americans, including Gen Z, the generation after millennials. And uh, however shocking this may be for you, this was very shocking for me. The article also said this. People ages 45 to 64 have the highest overall risk of suicide. I'm going to read this again. People ages 45 to 64 have the highest overall risk of suicide. Uh, folks, we are in an ocean. We're being tossed by the waves of financial insecurity, of, of, of racial and civil and social, political unrest across, across the board, everything, unrest, by fears and anxieties. And our culture is sending out an SOS, right? They're sending out an SOS in the form of empty Tinder hookups, of, of, of addictions to pornography and alcohol and drugs, right? Increasing addictions, exponential growth in addictions there. Uh, we're sending out an SOS in, in the crazy growth, the rapid growth of suicide rates. And this is impacting Gen Z, which is 23 and younger, all the way to the boomers, which is 56 and older. 
And this isn't just a millennial problem, right? Like we got to be really clear. It's not just a millennial problem. It's not just a Gen Z problem. This isn't a problem that, that people just grow out of. Remember, I just read this. I read this. The highest rates of suicides are in those 45 to 64. That's Gen X and boomers. It's not millennials. It's not, it's not Gen Z. Guys, we, we are in a mental health crisis as a culture. S-O-S. Now, you can say, save our ships, save our souls, but the bottom line is we need saving, right? We are in a time period in our history that we are in desperate need of saving. So this new series that we're beginning today uh, is called SOS. And we're going to be looking at characters in the Bible who, who are in a very hard place, and, and, and they called out to the Lord, right? And the Lord saved them, or, or or the Lord came to the rescue. Even some some of them, like we'll see today, uh, some of them don't even call upon the Lord, and the Lord rescues them. They have a Savior in God. We're gonna be looking at that. I'm gonna give you the series breakdown, kind of what you can look for each week. Uh, today we're gonna be looking at a woman who was a servant, and I would even say a slave. Um, and for all intents and purposes, she was sexually assaulted. And through those sexual assaults, um, she has a baby. And her and her 14-year-old son are sent to the desert by essentially her, her, her servant, uh, or her master, her, her slave master, her servant master, um, sent into the desert to die. That's what we're going to talk about today. Week two, uh, we're going to be looking at a boy who was, who was, uh, his death was faked by his brothers and then he was sold into slavery. And as you can imagine, the rest of his life was a bunch of roller coasters of SOS moments. Um, week three, we're going to be looking at a young man who's cornered by this tyrannical king, uh, this bloodthirsty king who, who really wants to kill him, uh, all because of his paranoia and jealousy. Okay, that's week three. And then week four, we're going to be looking at the story of humanity, the story of us and how God saves us and wants to save us. And so that's what we're going to be looking at throughout this series. But let's dive into today's story. We're going to be going to Genesis chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, we'd love for you to open those up. Uh, we're going to put it on the screen here. But um, also, you can always use a version Bible app. Um, we're going to be going to Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Here we go. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant, um, again, read slave there, named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar and the, the Egyptian servant and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Not sure if you've ever heard of the show The Handmaid's Tale. Um, by the way, with that show, I would definitely proceed with caution, read some reviews and things about that before you enter into that show. But um, so the show The Handmaid's Tale, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or, or read about it, but if you have, if you're aware of it, the, the entire show actually comes from this chapter. So these verses here that I just read, this entire dystopian society that is set in modern times, but it's a dystopian society that is just plagued with sexual assault and all these awful moments, 
um, the writers, the creators of, of Handmaid's Tale actually took um, these verses and they created a modern world, an entire dystopian modern world based off of these verses. Okay, so like this is, th this chapter has really impacted our culture today. Now, I, I read these verses uh, to you mainly to give you a backstory of, of Hagar because she's the one that we're going to be looking at today. I wanted to give you a backstory for her because we're going to be looking at her story actually in a later chapter um, that we're going to get to in a moment. But before we do, I just want us to really see something here. Um, we need to be careful and clear about something here, okay? Wh whose idea was this for, for, for Abram to sleep with Hagar? Wh whose idea was this? It, it, was, it was Sarai's idea, right? It was Sarai. And, um, and who agreed with Sarai? Abram. Abram agreed with her, okay? And, and who is not present in this interaction here? Who, who, who don't we see? God. We don't see him there, okay? And we need to be really clear that it is not God's idea. He doesn't agree with it, and he doesn't smile upon it, okay? We need to be really clear about this. As Christians, we need to tread lightly with our understanding and our assumptions of Scripture. Because what happens when we come to a character like Abram, um, he's one of the founding fathers, right? Like all throughout the Old Testament you read, um, about, you know, the, the, the God of, of Abraham, uh, you know, Isaac and Jacob, right? And so he, he's really the founding father. Like God creates um, this incredible covenant with Abram that impacts the entire world. He's the father of the Jews and therefore of the Christians. And, and, and he does all these incredible things. Yet, um, because of those things, we think, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to venerate him. We're going to venerate Abram. Uh, we're going to mimic him just like we mimic Christ. And, and, and listen, um, we, we should not do this, right? Um, what, what, what we do is, is we try to make him uh, holy and nothing is further from the truth. Abram is not a holy character, okay? Um, in fact, we would struggle if, if, we were, if we were around Abram today, I think every one of us, all of us, would struggle being his friend because of his deeply immoral moments. Deeply immoral. Could you imagine having, having Abram and Sarai over to your house for dinner and, and your roommates are there or, 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 your, or your parents or, or your spouse and children? And uh, as you're talking with Abram and Sarai, they, they start by saying this. Um, yeah, actually, we're half siblings. Um, yeah, crazy. Like we have the same dad. And so we got married and that's pretty cool. You know, it's been, it's been kind of crazy, but, but cool. Uh, yes. Uh, by the way, Abram and Sarai, yes, they have the same, same father, Terah. And so, um, so what if they started out there? Okay. Getting pretty weird already, right? Okay, then what if they moved on? Yeah, we were we were traveling a couple weeks ago, and like here's the thing: the Pharaoh, like he wanted to sleep with Sarai, right? Oh, and then a couple weeks later, it was a little bit later, uh, a king, Abimelech, uh, he wanted to do the same thing. So, you know, we knew with the Pharaoh and King Abimelech that if if they knew we were married, like they would kill me and they would take her as a wife. So we didn't really mention the whole, like, you know, we're married thing. And, and I just said, hey, yeah, let me offer up my, my sister, right? My 
half-sister wife, right? Okay, let me offer up my sister. Go sleep with her. Like, do your thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so anyway, we, we did and we got out of it, right? Isn't that crazy? Has that ever happened to you guys? And you would sit back and by this point, your fork is down. You're not touching your food. And you would say something along the lines of, nope, I can't say that it has ever happened, <laughs> right? This is getting kind of strange. But then they continue, right? And uh, and Abram's like, hey, so here's the thing. Like, Sarai and I, we can't have children. It could be that we're half siblings. We don't really know about that. Like, verdict is still out, right? Um, but uh, we are struggling having children, okay? And so Sarai had this great idea. So she has a slave, okay? So I'm going to go sleep with her, all right? Uh, her name's Hagar. I'm going to sleep with her. And we're going to have a children. And it's going to kind of be like a surrogate type of thing, right? Like, Isn't this a great idea? And uh, at this point, you would probably say, no, it's not a great idea. You should not sleep with your wife's slave. You should not do this. Uh, that is sexual assault. Listen, if, if, if Abram was alive today in 2019, I'm telling you, he would be the poster child, uh, the most infamous person that, you know, like, like public enemy number one for the Me Too movement. Okay. Like these are things, these things are, are, are not okay. These are things that you don't do again, not God's idea. All right. Uh, God didn't agree to it. Uh, we see silence here. He didn't smile upon it. He's not present in this. I know this, that many of you right now are squirming as I am talking like this about Abram and Sarai, and, and, and mainly because you were brought up to believe that they are incredibly good people, and, and, and it's true that God actually blessed them big time, that he chose to use them big time, yet it is also true that they were deeply flawed and sinful people. But what you're, what you're wondering right now is the things that Corey is saying about them, are those things unholy? And they're not. I promise you they're not. They're just true. And sometimes the truth makes us squirm a bit, okay? Uh, sometimes the truth makes us squirm a bit. See, we serve a God that only wants the truth. That's it. God doesn't give us half shades of the truth. He doesn't want us to run away from the truth. He doesn't want us to sit in lies. Um, he wants us to see the truth fully for all that it is. And when we get to, to speak and tell the truth, um, that is when he is glorified. And so I, I want you to resist the urge to defend the actions of Abram and Sarai. You don't need to do that. Um, again, they're not perfect, okay? We need to understand that they're not perfect. And so it is okay for us to look at a character in the Bible that did incredibly great things. Like, let's look at David. We're going to be looking at him week three. And, uh, you know, David had an affair and then had, had her husband murdered. All right. It's okay to look at these characters in the Bible and people that we know and love in our lives and know that they are deeply complex people. They are flawed. They are sinful. Um, but God is also going to bless them and use them in great ways. Okay. So for Abram and Sarah, let's not polish a turd. Let's not lie to ourselves. Let's not lie to our children about them. Let's be honest, okay? What is the good? What is the bad? But here's the question we have to answer. The question we have to answer when we look at Abram and Sarai is this. 
What does this say about God? What does it say about God? We have to answer this question. And here's what it says about God. It says that God will will use people like Abram and Sarai, deeply sinful and complex people who also love God, want great things for God, from God, right? Want to be with God, but they're also sinful. And he's going to use those people to accomplish his purpose and will. And therefore, because God will use deeply sinful people, he will use people who also have deep sin struggles like you and me. He will use us, imperfect people who haven't had it all figured out yet. We we haven't got it all figured out yet. He will use us to accomplish his will. That's what it says about God, and that's worth celebrating. Okay, uh, so Hagar, she gets pregnant. This beef arises between Hagar and Sarah, uh, or Sarai at the time, and uh, and the Bible is unclear on what exactly happened. All we know is this, that Sarai uh, treated Hagar harshly. She treated her so harshly that Hagar actually fled. She went to the desert by herself and uh, and just, just left. Okay, the story, it's not over here. What happens is God uh, talks um, Hagar and go back to Abram and Sarai, and she does. Before we continue, there are two things that I, I, I want to make clear here. We're going to be jumping ahead uh, five chapters, okay? So five chapters. Now, with that, it, it, it's not like five minutes or, you know, five hours or five days. We're actually jumping ahead 14 years. Ishmael. Ishmael is the, the, the son of Abram and Hagar, okay? He is now 14 years old, all right? Um, and the, the other things that the, the other thing that we need to see is this that, that Abram it was renamed to Abraham by God, and then um, uh, Sarai was renamed to Sarah. Okay, so Abraham and Sarah now. All right, so we're gonna start again in Genesis chapter twenty-one, and we're gonna read our last bulk of verses here. When Isaac grew up and he was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, Get rid of the slave woman and her son. He is not going to share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. And this upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning. He prepared food and a container of water and he strapped them to Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water, aka all of her hope, was gone. She put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said. She burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Uh, Read that as he will not die today and my purpose is not yet finished in him. Then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. 
She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. Hagar was at the end of her rope. This contemptuous relationship between Hagar and, and, and Sarah, it, it didn't get any better, right? So Ishmael, he's 14 years old, and they're at you know this, this, this gathering, and, and, uh, and Sarah looks over, and she sees Hagar and her 14-year-old son clowning on her, right, and, and joking about Isaac, right? And, and she, she can't have it anymore. She can't take it anymore. She just gets, gets irate. And she says to Abraham, take care of him, like send him away. And um, there's something here I want you to see, though. I'm going to reread verses 11 and 12. So I want you to listen to this here. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. See, Abraham is upset about this. And Hagar, she can't be happy about being sent into a desert of uncertainty, right? I mean, both of them had some serious worries. Both of them had their fingers on the SOS transmitter. They were getting ready to send out that call, that, that, that distress signal. They were both freaking out. But God commands Abraham to listen to his wife on this. It's as if God is actually in this one, right? And this is the truth that we see in the story today. That God is already working out whatever you are worrying about. God is already working out whatever you are worrying about. Abraham is wondering if his son Ishmael will die in the desert uh, with his mom, right? Um, we've, we've heard the story about Abraham and Isaac, uh, but, but many of us, we don't realize that, they, they, you know, really Abraham, he already dealt with this son conflict uh, between he and Ishmael, right? This idea of, okay, did I, did I kill Ishmael by sending him out in the desert? I mean, there's this conflict that he has here. He didn't want to do it. Um, and then later on, you know, he has Abraham and Isaac, right? And, and so Abraham specifically sends Ishmael into the desert to pass away and, and Hagar, uh, Hagar is here. Um, she's thinking the same thing. You know, she's thinking like, okay, uh, we're going to get out here. We're going to run out of water. And the moment we run out of water, we're dead. Right. I, I've, I've seen, um, a lot of shows recently about, uh, survival. I don't know why, but, uh, my wife is like pumped about these shows. So we just watched, um, uh, I shouldn't be alive. And it's a really interesting show. There's a lot of moments in the desert where like people get two days or so into the desert and then they just, you know, have no water. And it's like, it's the time that they kind of like give themselves over to death, right? And then they end up getting rescued and all these things. Um, by the way, this right here, it's actually a legit um, advertisement for one of their episodes back in 2014. And I feel like that could totally be the story of Hagar and Ishmael. Um, but anyway... Uh, I digress. So, so about two days or so in the desert, sometimes less. Um, once you're out of water, like you're done, right? And so I just assume that Hagar and Ishmael they're about two days or so into the desert, and it says in scripture that that she ran out of water. And when that happened, like it is over, right? It, it's it's over. Um, but but as Hagar was worrying, uh, and as Abraham was worrying. Uh, they didn't realize this. The, the things that they were worrying about, God was already working out, right? 
The things that they were worrying about, God was already working out. Uh, as they worried, God worked, right? And that's that's what we see here. Um, and, and they didn't realize that. And, and you probably don't realize that God is already working out whatever you are worrying about, whatever it is that you're worrying about. God is already working out. But there's one last thing I want us to see before we close up shop today uh, from this story. One last thing in this story that I think is incredible. Um, I know that back then they didn't have 5G, you know, and I don't think they had 4G either. But I do know this, that like when they were out in the desert, it's really hard to get cell phone reception. And so they probably didn't have like a strong signal to be able to call each other. Um, And so I don't know that they were able to like connect uh, by by cell phone. By the way, uh, before I even get an email about this, like they didn't have cell phones back then, millennial. You know, I know. Okay, it's a joke. All right. Anyway, um, so they they definitely couldn't call each other, right? And they're several days, most likely, into the wilderness of Beersheba and into the desert. And um, what's really fascinating about this is is that um, the moment that Hagar was was rescued was not the moment that Abraham knew she was rescued. The truth is that when Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael out into the wilderness, um, he really, really wasn't certain if they were going to survive. In fact, he probably assumed that they had passed away. And we don't know. It, it could have been... Uh, you know, several days and maybe he found out it could have been several weeks and maybe he found out it could have been several years and maybe he found out, but it also could be the fact that he never found out. Um, All we know is that in Genesis chapter 25, verse nine, uh, it says this about Ishmael, his meaning, meaning Abraham, his sons, Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave at Machpelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar, the Hittite. That's all we know. That's it. All we know about Ishmael after he was sent into the wilderness, the only other thing we see is this image, this picture of him and his brother Isaac at their father's funeral. Um, Them burying their father in the cave at Machpelah. That's it. That's all we know. And so Abraham could have literally lived his entire life, most of his life, or or his entire life, without ever realizing or knowing that his son Ishmael was actually alive. And this is a big deal. Because um, as he was worrying, God was working. And really, to be more clear, as he worried, God worked. But... We don't know that he ever knew that God actually uh, worked and succeeded. We don't, we don't know this, right? Um, and this could be your story right now. Like right now, as, as you worry, God works, uh, but, but you might be dwelling on your past sins. You, you might be uh, go, going back to the things that you think are, are, are just weighing you down. Um, as you're drifting in the ocean, you're, you're, you're feeling the pull of all this weight of your past sins bringing you down. You might be killing yourself with worry and anxiety for all the mistakes and missteps that plague you. Um, you might be hurting from a lost job or a lost loved one or a death of a dream or a broken relationship right now and as you're being tossed by the waves and life you are wondering 
if you will ever be rescued, right? As you are ready to send out the SOS, I want you to know this. And God is already working out all that you are worrying about. I can't imagine um, the guilt that Abraham felt. And I believe that Sarah later felt as well. I can't imagine the guilt and the frustration with themselves that they had to live with their entire lives. I don't know what guilt you're living with. I don't know uh, what, what self-frustration and anger that you're living with. But I do know this, that the God who saved Hagar is the same God that can save you. The God that provided a way out of the desert for Hagar is the same God that will provide a way out of all the things that you are in right now, all the mess that you are in right now. The God who provided water to Hagar is the same God that can provide eternal life in His Son, Jesus Christ, to you today. If you're looking for a Savior, if you're looking for something and someone to save you, if you've sent out the SOS, if, if the flare is in the sky and you are over there in Morse code silently tapping, just waiting for someone to save you, you need to hear that Jesus is the Savior you are looking for. Throughout this season, we are going to be looking at that. And specifically, in week four, we are going to be looking at who Jesus is and who God is, and, and how uh, God sends His Savior, Jesus, to be the one to save us when we call for the SOS distress call. But you need to hear this. In a season of worry, God is working out whatever it is you are worrying about. There is no need for you to worry anymore. Place your trust and your faith in the only one who can actually save you. Father, I pray for everyone who's watching that, that the, the ones who are, are bogged down by the loss of a job and income, the loss of loved ones, uh, the loss of financial security, uh, the loss of, of, of dead, or dead dreams now, the loss of dreams that were once alive, um, brokenness in their home and, and all these things that COVID has brought and the world has brought. Uh, God, I pray that, that, that they would have faith in you, that they would trust you. God, I pray that they would understand that while they are worrying, you are working and you're doing incredible things right now, things that they, they couldn't even imagine, but they can't yet see. And God, we, we, we have this faith um, that uh, when you say it, we'll believe it before we ever see it. When you say it, we'll believe it before we ever see it. So God, I pray that you would give us that faith, that faith that believes that you are working out the things that we're worrying about. And, um, and Lord, I pray that you would come through. I pray that you would save us from all the perils that we face. And um, God, for, for the story of Abraham, he lives and he dies. And um, there's a good chance that he never saw your salvation in that situation. So Lord, I pray that you would give us faith um, 
even when we can't see it, even when we, we don't see something being finalized and worked out perfectly. God, I pray that you would give us faith to know from the story of Abraham that you are working it out. Uh, even when we can't believe, God, I pray that you would help our unbelief. Lord, it's all this as we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Redemption. It was awesome being with you today. Hey, uh, as you saw, we, we, we are reopening October 4th. This is a big deal, all right? So tell your friends, tell, tell the, the, the postman, tell the milkman, tell them all, okay? Uh, get it out there. And, um, and then listen, community groups have started. So if you want to get in one of those, let us know. We want to get you involved and plugged in. There's a lot of things happening here at Redemption. And so um, here's the deal. If you ever have a question, text us at 314-391-4141. We'd love to get you plugged in and connected. Um, Redemption, thanks so much for joining us. Have a great week.